Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against his spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with, your feet, um, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which, are the word of, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may, given, words may be given to me so that I will fiercely make known the word of God for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare you fiercely as I should. Thanks, Lon. <laughs> so last year I came across this event called the Spartan Beast. Essentially what this is, is a 21 kilometer or half marathon event that takes place at Blue Mountain where you're running up and down the ski hills and through trails and there's 30 obstacles that you have to complete along the way. Now, the first time that I decided to do this, I did it on two weeks notice. And so if you've ever trained for anything, you know that that is an absolutely terrible idea. <laughs> but me being me, I am stubborn and I like pushing myself and testing my boundaries and I just wanted to see if it was possible. I ended up completing it, but I injured myself along the way, you know, in big part because I didn't have the adequate time to prepare. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to have another go at this. And I did it again last Saturday and it ended up being cold, rainy, muddy, and just absolutely miserable out. It was terrible. <laughs> For something like this, especially in those conditions, you need to make sure that you have the right equipment. You know, you have to be prepared for when the day comes to battle through the elements and obstacles because the reality is you will not have perfect conditions. You know, you've got to have the right pair of running shoes that fit well and can provide some grip on these slick hills. You know, you have to have the right pair of socks that don't just soak up the water so that your feet actually stay dry throughout this race. You need either shorts or running pants, depending on the conditions. You need the right running shirt, and in this case, I needed a light rain jacket to keep me dry and warm throughout the race. You also need what are called energy gels, you know, to keep you going throughout the race to, well, give you energy. And finally, you need a pack, you know, to carry extra water or gels with you or anything else that you need. All of this is vital to make sure that you actually cross that finish line. So about five or six kilometers into the race, I started to feel a little warm. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take off my coat, you know, and I am going to throw it in my pack. So I go, and I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running, you know, and, you know, literally within like five minutes, I start to feel like my hands and my feet just start to go so cold. And the reason for this is that because when it's cold outside, your body's main priority becomes distributing blood to your core organs to keep them at the required temperature. This may change the amount of blood that flows to your hands and your feet and makes them feel cold. So it's crucial that you have the proper equipment on to make sure that you keep warm. So I throw it back on, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. 
It's stupidly cold out here. It is so windy. Like, I am not having a good time out here. And so I throw it back on, and I'm like, all right, we're going to keep going. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running up another hill. And I'm like, oh, man, it's starting to get hot out here. I'm like, okay, you know what? I think it's warming up a little bit. The rain has slowed down a little bit. I think I'll be all right. And so I'm like, okay, it's fine. So I'm going to take it off again. (laughs) Take off my pack, throw it in my bag, put it back on. And I'm like, okay, we're good to go. All right? And so I keep running, and I'm going, and I'm going. And literally, again, within five minutes, I'm like, nope, not doing this. Taking that back out, putting that back on. So I was like, there is no way I can finish this race without this jacket on me. Because whenever I took that jacket off, it exposed me to the elements, and it made me vulnerable to the cold. It effectively worked against me to make that decision to throw it off. For many of us, that is effectively what we do with the armor of God. We start out well. We're reading our Bible every day. We pray without ceasing. We're spending time in the quiet place, listening for his voice and his direction, and then suddenly, we feel like we're doing okay. No, and then we begin to rely on ourselves a little bit. We take that armor off. We're making ourselves vulnerable all of a sudden to the attacks of the enemy. Or, more commonly, we take the armor off without even realizing it. We start out well, but then life gets busy. Our priorities shift out of order, and suddenly, God is taking a back seat, and that armor finds itself on the floor. The thing is, you will not have perfect conditions in life, and you will need to stay prepared for when that day comes to fight. The theologian Dr. Klein Snodgrass says, readers need to be prepared as if for battle, for right living does not just happen, and opposition is certain. We need to understand as we go through this passage that it is not a question of if we will face evil and if we will face opposition from Satan. It is a question of when. So, When that time comes, we need to make sure that we are prepared. And as we come to the end of Ephesians, it is this culmination of Paul's letter to the church, and he wants to motivate the believers for this battle with evil. A professor of mine, Luciano Lombardi, in his book, A New Humanity, said that this battle can be fought only with gear that comes from God himself. It's the only way we can stand a chance against such a vile foe. The enemy is devious and comes with a boatload of tricks to disguise his presence, even managing to pass himself off as light. We don't even realize we are in the enemy's territory until it's too late. To battle this enemy and avoid succumbing to his craftiness, the believer needs to be outfitted by God and learn a new way of wrestling. There is only one who can teach such an ancient art. And that is the one who has already defeated this enemy and therefore knows both the type of armor and the technique needed. If you've ever played or watched sports before, you know that to defeat your opponent, you need a good scouting report. So you know what you're up against. And who better to go to than the one who already stands in victory over the one that we're up against? And so he gives us this list of armor that you know, we're meant to put on. And Paul is, of course, referencing the armor of a Roman foot soldier at the time. And much of their spiritual associations are actually drawn from the book of Isaiah. And so he starts out here with the belt of truth. The soldiers, they would wear these long tunics and they would have to gird or pull them up, you know, to make sure that they were free to move around, free to run into battle. And so this belt would hold everything together. It would hold it up so they're good to go. 
And the fact is, is that this is symbolic of the, tr- of the fact that the truth is the belt that holds all other virtues together and makes them effective. The devil will use lies to knock us off the path God set out for us. He distorts truth to the point where we're barely able to distinguish fact from fiction. We need to understand that Satan knows the word of God far better than we do, actually. And he will twist it to separate us from our relationship with God. But God gives us discernment and the wisdom to separate his truth from the lies of the enemy. To put the belt of truth on means to be strengthened by God's truth in the gospel and to resolve to live truth. So we begin by putting the belt of truth on. And then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. The purpose of a breastplate is to protect the most vital parts of the body. So when we clothe ourselves with righteousness, we are meant to be impenetrable. Nothing is getting through. Satan will undermine our self-worth and make us question our place with God. Righteousness means to be made right with God and is a gift that we're given when we come to accept Christ. Though the Christ, or through the cross, this is made possible and God then looks at us as though we were without sin. When we listen for God's voice, our heavenly father will remind us of his unconditional love and our position in Christ. Not only that, but we are reminded that death has lost its sting. When we accept the grace of God, death is defeated. God holds our future and we can live without fear of death. And we should have our feet fitted with readiness. There's this parallel to Isaiah 52, verse 7, where the prophet calls on Israel to wake up and be clothed with strength because evil is present. Part of this waking up is Israel's awareness that God lives up to his name. He is the God who saves. That is what our hope rests on. He saves us from the darkness, from the hopelessness, from death. That is the message that we carry. And usually this is understood in terms of willingness to share the gospel. But the intent is broader than sharing the good news. Readiness pertains to actually all you know, parts of life. Knowledge of the gospel should make people alert and ready for life. Christians have been taught in the school of Christ. They are careful about their speech and their actions. They don't live in the dark. Instead, they live wisely, redeeming the time and understanding the will of God. People like this not only share the good news, but they are also agents of peace and love, ready to do the whole will of God. Are you an agent of peace or love in your spheres of influence? But here's the thing. The enemy wants to keep us quiet. He is going to plant seeds of doubt in us about how well we speak or even if anyone will listen when we do. When we pray, God provides us with the strength and boldness we need to give our testimonies and to praise him publicly without a second thought. For many of us, that is a very difficult thing to do. We stop, we hesitate when God asks us to do something, to go and speak the good news to somebody else because we're afraid of what they may think of us. We're afraid we may not have the right words to say, and yet it is not by our power, but it is by his. He is the one who speaks through us. He is the one that we depend on. It is not by our own wisdom or knowledge. It is by his. He is the one that we rely on. I love this picture here as Paul refers to this as the example of readiness to spread the good news as God's community battles evil alongside God. We know who reigns above all. 
We know that God has already defeated the enemy, that victory is certain, and that right will prevail. That is the good news of peace. We're able to bring hope and light to those in the darkness. You ever feel like the world's a little dark out there? Go and spread some light. Go and be that light. The enemy may try to gain a foothold in our lives through various means, but our foothold is on the foundation that is the good news, and it cannot be moved. We have to make sure that we're resting on the firm foundation. One of the most dangerous and effective weapons in the ancient world was the fiery arrow. The soldier's wooden shield, of course, wouldn't be able to hold up to them if they were hit. So what they did is they took their shields and they would completely cover them. They were four feet tall and two and a half feet wide, so you can imagine this is quite the thing to carry around, but it is going to protect you. And what they did is they stretched leather over them, they reinforced them with metal at the top and the bottom, and especially when these were soaked in water, these shields would effectively protect them. Any of these flaming arrows that are coming in, they are not going to harm them. So Paul uses this picture of the shield of faith that we're meant to carry. The enemy's plan to derail our faith can use situations and even other people. Our own weaknesses can leave us open to temptations, to discouragement, or wrong behavior. But when we admit our need for his help, God will provide us with what we need to make it through those trials. That faith protects us is not suggesting that we protect ourselves by believing, but rather is focused on the faithfulness of God. What protects us from the flaming arrows of the enemy, also known as our temptations to do wrong, or the lies of the enemy, is our relation to God. God is the one who provides protection in any and all circumstances. So take courage. Take heart, church, because you have that shield of faith. You have access to it. It is your choice of whether to pick that up or not. So pick it up. The enemy will also affect our thought life, of course. You know, our anxieties, our fears, our insecurities that we may be holding onto can be amplified and used against us. But if we call on him, God will renew us so that our eyes and our minds will stay focused on him throughout each and every day. You see, the believer puts the helmet of salvation on to receive salvation. God's salvation is the ultimate assurance of protection. The salvation is both present and future. We have hope because we already know we stand in victory. What better feeling than that to know that we already have victory over the powers of darkness? It is this guarantee of divine protection and the ultimate deliverance from evil. We are already free. Be confident in that. And when we wear this helmet, we have confidence that nothing in this world or out of it can separate us from the love of God. Nothing in this world or out of it can separate us from the love of God. And then we have the sword of the Spirit. Maxie D. Dunham, an evangelist and Bible commentator, said this, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And that word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's from Hebrews 4.12. In the New Testament, the word of God is never a general reference to the Holy Scriptures. It means the word which God gives us to speak. We must be rooted in Scripture, for the Scripture is the primary source of God's word. But the challenge of Paul's suggestion is that the Christian may be open to and can always depend on receiving the needed word from God. It may be a word of comfort for one's emotional turmoil, a word of hope for one's quivering soul, a word of courage for trembling knees, a word of challenge to one's apathy, a word of condemnation for one's sin, a word of prophetic judgment for one's uninvolvement and insensitivity. 
It may also be the word with which the Christian is to speak. Witness to be made, judgment to be shouted, prophecy to be uttered, teaching to be shared. Our sword, then, is the Bible, but it is more. It is the word of the Bible made alive by the Spirit for our edification and for witness, admonition and exhortation with others. It is also the inbreaking of God by his Spirit, speaking to our spirits and through our spirits to others. The word of God is within you. We have access to the word of God. We're able to speak by the spirit to others to provide encouragement, to provide conviction, to provide a little push forward at times when we need it. This word of God is what we base our life, our values on. This is how we live our lives. We run from the dark things of the world and we run back to the word of God. He speaks to us. And finally, this is all wrapped up and it ends in prayer. A lot of people don't really, you know, put this in as like part of the armor, but this is what kind of wraps it all up. You know, this is the essential practice of prayer. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We need to align ourselves with God in every moment and go to battle alongside him and contend for one another. The less that we are aligned with our Heavenly Father, the less alert and prepared we'll be for the attacks of the enemy. As we align ourselves with God, he will supply us with all that we need in each situation that we face. See, the well-armed soldier in Christ's army, by definition, is continually praying in the spirit and alert to the schemes of the enemy. The enemy may have come to steal, kill, and destroy. He has come to lie, divide, and discourage. We cannot be unprepared. We need to pray with power and with purpose that comes from the very Holy Spirit that is within us. The enemy has no place here. Let's go back to that verse and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Notice the word always, like always keep on praying. That means all the time. That means every single day. That means every single moment. We are going to be praying without ceasing. And not just praying for ourselves, which is good. We have to pray for ourselves. We've got to pray and talk to our Heavenly Father. But we have to be contending for one another. This is the thing. We have to contend for one another within this church. We have to contend for one another with the believers across the world. We have to be praying for them because this is our defense against the attacks of the evil one. We do not know what each other is going through necessarily. I don't think anyone in here knows exactly what every single person in this room is going through, but we can pray for them. But we can sit down and ask them and then pray with them right there. We can literally just ask the Spirit of God to give us a word for them to speak into their life, whether it is a word of encouragement, whether it is a word of conviction, whether it is you know, a word that they need to hear in that moment, they just need to hear that the Father loved them. Whatever that is, continue to pray and contend for one another because we need it. Each and every one of us needs it. There is not a single person in this room that is without need for prayer. So contend and always keep on praying and always be alert. Because there are spiritual forces at work. The enemy is trying to knock you off of your path, knock you off of the path that God set out for you. We need to pray. We need God on our side. We cannot do this alone. We need to make sure that we put on the full armor of God. 
Not just a piece, not just a couple of them, but the full armor of God. We need to be fully prepared for the schemes of the enemy. Believers need to be alert and ready to fight. The devil is crafty and he will do whatever it takes. Imagine running into battle and, you know, you don't have your helmet on. Imagine running into battle and you don't have, you know, the breastplate on that is protecting all the important things, you know, that keeps you alive. Imagine doing that. That would look a little bit dumb going in. And yet we do that. Sometimes we take one of them off and we're like, no, I'm, you know, I got this one covered. That's fine. I'm really good in this area. So, you know, that's just a weakness of mine. No, no, no. Work on that. Literally, if you're missing one, you have a spot for the enemy to gain a foothold. And so we can't do that. We have to put on the full armor of God. See, the Christian's identity is to be shaped by truth, righteousness, readiness, faith, salvation, and the gospel message. We are not without help. Far from it. Does that mean that there won't be trouble? No, unfortunately not. I think you guys know that. But we will be prepared and given what we need to make it through. A French Jesuit priest from the 18th century named Jean-Pierre de Cassade said this, God instructs the heart, not through ideas, but through suffering and adversity. When you encounter pain, when you encounter suffering, when you encounter the trials of this life, it is through those moments that you will grow in strength, resilience, and faith in the God that we serve. Church, do not pray for an easy life, but pray for the strength to endure the attacks of the enemy so that you may have an opportunity to grow in your faith and your reliance on God. James 1, 2-4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Every obstacle is an opportunity. That's the key word, opportunity. We have a choice. When we face these attacks, when we face these trials in life, we can either let it defeat us or we can let it develop our faith into greater maturity. And how do we do that? How do we keep getting up? How do we keep churning back to God in those moments where we really don't feel like it? We just want to stay down, we, especially when we're just so lost or broken or angry or sad. You know, how do we do that in those moments when we just feel like giving up? We do it by putting on the very armor of God and never taking it off. Don't take it off. Keep it on. It's there for protection. And we keep it on because we are staying ready, whether we think something's going to happen or not, because it could happen at any moment. And that's not to bring fear or anything like that. That's actually to bring peace. Because when you're wearing the armor of God, it brings peace into your life because you know that you're already covered. Not just covered by anybody, you are covered by the God who created you. The God who created this very world, the God who already defeated you know, the power of sin and death. That is who you're covered by. Do not take that armor off. Listen, church, when we put on the armor of God, that means we are running into a battle. A battle not of the physical things of this world, but of the powers and principalities of darkness. We are running into the midst of chaos, disorder, pain, suffering, and hopelessness all around us. And yet, when we run in equipped with the armor of God, we may take some hits. We may even get knocked down but we will be protected and we will be able to get back up. 
because it is not by our strength or our wisdom or our power, but it is by the God who created us. That is who we depend on. That is whose armor we are wearing. And this past year, I came to understand that more than I ever have. Last year, there, uh, I hit one of the, actually not one of, the lowest points that I had ever hit in my life. And the details of all of it, you know, don't need to get into that out of respect for everyone, but it really shook up my life and it really made me feel like life was kind of falling apart. It made me feel as if I didn't know what would happen next in each and every moment. And I had dealt with depression for many years and I've managed it and I've brought that back to Jesus you know, all the time and he's been faithful in those times and then I hit this point last year where everything is just shaken up. And I just remember at one point, it was actually this time last year, especially through October, November was the height of it and I just remember being so down, so depressed, so covered in darkness and I remember each and every day not even wanting to get up. I remember there's times where I was laying in bed, I'd be laying in bed or I'd be sitting at the edge of my bed and I'd just be like, God, what is going on? What is happening right now? And I had never felt the depth of depression as I did then. And then the enemy started to put lies in my head. Started to say things like, hey, you're not enough. You're not enough for your friends. You're not enough for your family. You're not enough for the people that you're trying to impact. You're not enough for any of them. And that would happen day after day. And I kept asking God, I just need help right now. I'm struggling. And then got to a point where the lies started to increase. The lies of, it would be better if you actually weren't even here. really cares? Would anyone really notice? And I remember going through this time and it was, <laughs> it was like without a break. It was like every single day and these moments turned into hours and these hours turned into days and these days turned into weeks to months and it was just day after day without a break of this happening and all these lies coming in and this feeling of depression and this feeling of just like, man, like I, just, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore, God. And every day I'd just be asking God, I just need you. I just need you to help me get through today. I just need you to help me get through today. Just through the next moment, through the next hour, through the next day. That's all I need. I just, I just need you in those moments. And it just kept going, just like that every day. And it had felt as if the color just drained from the world. It felt as if the sun just decided not to come up again. And I was so discouraged. I was brought so low in those moments. And I just remember this feeling of just absolute hopelessness. And I really didn't know what to do, but all I knew what to do was to go back to God and to ask Jesus for help. It's like, God, I need your spirit. I can't do this by myself. I cannot do this by myself. And thank God I can't do it by myself because I am enough with God. 
God is enough. I'm not. You're right. I'm not enough. But God is. God is enough. You may be in a place in your life right now where you are feeling like you are at the end of your rope. You may be at a place right now where you are feeling so discouraged, brought so low into the depths of your life, into the depths of the darkness that you do not know what to do. But I promise you, if you bring it back to God, if you put that armor on, if you kept that armor on, he will bring you through. He will bring you through. He will give you the strength that is needed to get through. Hard times will come. You will get knocked down, but you will be able to get back up because of the power of God in your life. Not on our own strength. I couldn't do it by myself. And every day I thank God. I thank God for every day that I have because I'm so thankful for his presence in my life, for his work in my life. Can't be more thankful than I am today because he saw me through. See, here's the thing, church, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, it says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We do not wage war as the world does. He may use every trick in the book to get you down. He may use every trick in the book to get you to walk away from your heavenly father. But you have a covering that is greater than anything that the enemy will throw at you. That is greater than anything that he tries to put in your mind. Greater than any lie he will tell you. Our God has power over it all. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We need to put on this armor of God. That's a different type of power because it's not from us. It is not from our own strength or power or wisdom or knowledge. It is from God himself. It is from the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That is where it comes from. And you can fight. We are not enough. God is. Listen, tonight or today... You may be at that point where you have no idea what to do. I'm just going to call the worship team back up. Your marriage may be on the rocks, and you may be so frustrated that you're not really sure what to do there. You have no idea how reconciliation is going to happen with that. You may have just lost your job, and you may be on the brink of financial collapse, or you may be struggling with your kids, and you're not really sure how to deal with that. You may be dealing with adult children that you have lost that relationship with them or they have walked away from God and you are just heartbroken and you can't do it. You may have lost relationships in your life. You may have come up against some medical issues that you feel like there is no hope for recovery. No matter what it is that you are up against, God is able to see you through. Put that armor on. Because even in the midst of hopelessness, even in the midst of the darkest depths that you can go down to, there is light. There is hope, and his name is Jesus. There's not a single one of us here today that does not have access to that. It is a choice. And it can change your life. 
can transform your life. It can make your life into something greater than you'd ever imagined. And it could provide you with strength that you didn't know you had because it's not coming from you. It's gonna provide you with the right words to say to your spouse when you are just so frustrated. It can provide you with the means that you're gonna be able to make it through even in times of financial difficulty. It can provide you with reconciliation of the relationship with your kids, whether young or old, if you have messed that up. Anything that we have gone through, anything that we are going through, there is a possibility for a miracle, not just a possibility, it is absolutely able to happen. Be prepared, church. Be prepared for what to, is to come because the enemy will use anything. He will use anything, any foothold that he can get, any little thing. But when we keep that armor on, when we are clothed with the armor of God, we will overcome. And so this morning, I would ask that regardless of what it is that you're going through, you know, whatever your situation is, if you are feeling like you need a touch of the presence of Jesus, if you need a little bit of hope, if you need people to just contend with you this morning, come to the altar. Let's pray together. Let's pray over one another. We are stronger together as a family, as the body of Christ. One that when we put our shields together, no fiery arrow of the enemy is able to make its way through. Church, do not think of the opinion of those around you when it comes to asking for help. Do not let that stop you. Do not let that stop you from receiving prayer. Do not let that stop you from receiving encouragement. This morning, you to know that God is able. You may already know that. You've probably heard it a thousand times, but you may need to be reminded of that. God is able. Doesn't matter what your situation is. Doesn't matter if all hope seems lost for it. God is able. Miracles are able to happen. He's able to break through the mess. He's able to break through any stronghold that the enemy has in your life, and he's able to bring freedom. I promise you that. That's what he promised us, and he does not fail. He never fails. So church, again, I would encourage you, if you need prayer this morning, come to the front. So as the band begins to play, come to the front. If you need prayer over your family, if you need prayer over your financial situation, if you have a health need, come to the front and be prayed for, and let's believe for miracles this morning. If you feel like you've left your armor on the ground, let's come and contend together and let's pick that armor back up and put it back on. Can we do that, church? So I'm gonna pray. The band is gonna begin to play. And then I'm just gonna open the altars up here. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you are doing in our lives. Thank you so much for every miracle that you have done in our lives. May we never forget the work that you have done in each and every one of us. And Father, I pray today that people would receive a miracle. Father, that they would receive breakthrough. That, Father, that we would put on that coat of armor, that we would be clothed with the strength that you have given us. Father, we are not enough. We cannot make it through on our own, but you can. You are enough. You are greater than anything that the enemy throws up against us. 
Father, guide us, lead us, give us the wisdom and discernment that we need to separate fact from fiction, your truth from the lies of the enemy. Father, may we remind ourselves of the promises that you have given us. May we remind ourselves of the fact that you went to the cross, that you overcame sin and death, that we do not have to live in fear. Lord, speak to us today. Break through hard hearts and hard minds. Speak to our very soul. Bring freedom in this house, your house, Lord. And Father, may your spirit start to work through each and every one of us. If we need encouragement, bring encouragement. If we need a miracle, bring a miracle. If we need conviction, bring that. Whatever it is, Father, speak to us today. We praise you, we love you, and we give you the glory and the honor.